What's up, y'all? It's Kavya. Welcome to the eighth episode of Women on the Mic. Today, I'm honored to have Katie Meyer, the goalie on the Stanford women's soccer team, here with me. Thank you so much, Katie, for taking the time and joining me today. Of course, of course. <laughs> I'm super excited. So, just a little recap. Um, you had an amazing season this year, topped it off with a national championship. Um, an amazing postseason. You saved a penalty kick in the 4-1 win against UCLA mm -hmm. in the semis. And then you had four saves in regulation and two in a shootout in the final against UNC. Um, you're definitely one of the most, like, badass athletes I've ever <laughs> seen play. Um, can you describe that feeling, like, when you won that national championship? Yeah, so I have been going after this for so long. Mm. I've been playing since I was a kid. And when I committed to Stanford, everything then shifted to it's time to get ready to win a national championship. Yeah. And so the team this year was special. The team this year had so much faith in each other that even when we went to PKs, we were like, it's only a matter of time before that whistle blows and we raise, raise the trophy. So yeah. then when it did go down that way, of course we would have loved to beat them in regulation and yeah. have me not touch the ball the entire <laughs> time, but that's not how it went. And so... Saving the PKs was obviously a huge rush, and I had our fans behind me, our mm -hmm. students behind me, yeah. the whole university behind me, and even the president of the university came to the game, so that was just yeah. like, That's awesome. that feeling of support was amazing, mm -hmm. and then when Kiki made her final PK, yeah. I just instantly yeah. run out on the field, everyone's crying, tears of joy, we're laughing, we're yelling, our coaches are crying, and it was just like... Yeah. This is what you do the hard work for. Yeah, I was so watching that crazy the, that last goal when Kiki scored, and I like got goosebumps. Me too. It was, it, and like, have you watched those like highlight videos oh, back of over course, again? Of course, there's yeah. a really good one, and it's two radio guys who go here. They're mm, students, we yeah, know yeah. them, and they're just like, "It's saved by mine!" Like, yeah. just like screaming, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it's like it's Kiki Pickett buries again. Yeah. It's like it gives me chills every time. Yeah. I just instantly want to tear up when I think about it. Yeah. It's just like the perfect ending mm. to the season. I mean, obviously, you know, winning the national championship, it's like a result of all the hard work and sacrifices you made to get here. So tell me about, like, you know, your time with soccer before Stanford, you know, like your journey to get here, some of the challenges you might have faced. Of course. I mean, my journey is a tough one. Mm. And I feel like every goalkeeper knows we are kind of, it's the buck stops here. A lot of goalkeeping is actively trying not to make mistakes mm. because if a forward makes a mistake, okay, yeah, whatever. You might not get the shot off. You might not score, mm. but if the goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's a goal. Yeah. And it's very, it's almost instant punishment for like, you were out of position. And a lot of the times you can point to exactly what went wrong. Yeah. Growing up as a kid, I didn't see it that way. Of course, I still really don't see it that way. I am more of like, this is so fun. Mm -hmm. What can I do? Like, what's the positive things I can do to make great saves? Yeah, it's that and mindset. So, exactly. My first club team, actually, I was a little forward. I scored one goal all season. And okay. my coach was like, listen, your friends are scoring 23 goals. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, and? And he was like, and you're going to be on the B team next year. And I was like, see, that's just not going to fly. Yeah. And so I went to my parents. And neither of my parents played soccer my dad played basketball and my mm -hmm. mom was on the dance team and she ran track 
So, like, I was an athletic kid, but something with the foot-eye coordination, yeah. it wasn't working out for me. Yeah. So, I was like, Mom, Dad, I need to be on the A team. Mm. Why don't I try playing in goal? Because the B team didn't have a goalkeeper. Mm. And at first, they were like, absolutely not. It's dangerous. You're going to get a concussion. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Mom, Dad, please. And so, eventually, they caved, and they were like, yeah, okay. And we went to the sports store, got, like, the cheapest pair of gloves. Yeah. And... I was kind of a natural. It was like, I love to get in front of the ball. I love to play catch with my dad. And it was just like such a good fit. I think I was back on that A-team within like two months. Wow. And the same coach, he was actually a goalkeeper while he played, Mm -hmm. which was cool. And he kind of trained me for that entire year. And then I kept jumping clubs to bigger and bigger clubs. Eventually found out like the elite clubs national league the ecnl and Mm. eventually academy like i found these bigger leagues and as i kept playing club as i turned 14 15 it got really serious Mm. and it was like oh like this could be my life and you don't really see that when you're playing against like local teams but then Mm -hmm. you're going on these travel tournaments and then i got called into my first national team camp when i was 16 which is wow. almost a little late. So many girls, really? it's like 14. Yeah. Wow. And so I kind of like hopped into that cycle. Mm-hmm. And that was a great experience for me. So while I was 16, from like 2016 to 2017, I was kind of playing on two national teams. I was with the U16s, which was my age group. Mm-hmm. And I was with the U17s, which was the age group above. And the U17 cycle has a U17 World Cup. And so for a while, I had been the third keeper on that team almost the entire cycle and I was getting after it I felt like I was doing fine and then the camp before the world cup so it was like final roster yeah the coach brings in five goalkeepers instead of the three that had been it the entire year and halfway through the camp he sits me down he goes Katie you're good but you're not making this roster you're you're getting sent home and so I got on a flight the next day and I was shocked and this was this was a few weeks after I'd committed to Stanford Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god I'm not gonna get in like they're not gonna want me now that I got cut Mm -hmm. and this shook me to my core yeah because you go through the entire cycle thinking okay I'm the third keeper three go I'm gonna go and then your coach sits you down and say you're not good enough like I'm sorry And I was absolutely rattled. And for a while, I was like, okay, now what? And my confidence got shaken up pretty bad. I actually, I didn't get called back into camp consistently until about two years later. So like now, but that changed a lot for me. It was like, okay, now what's the response? Mm -hmm. And after that, I had a long conversation with my parents. I was super devastated and they were sad for me, but they were like, listen, like you haven't been training all this time to win a U-17 World Cup. You've been training all this time to win national championships for Stanford. And I was like, you're right. So then it was like back to the training ground, back Mm -hmm. to square one. And it became all about setting myself up to do well here. Yeah. And so I get here. My freshman year did not go as I thought it would. Mm -hmm. I was under the impression that I was going to come in and compete to start as a freshman in goal. And I very quickly learned that that is not what happens at schools like this. I mean, we had a fifth year senior, another junior, and they were great. And my coach sat me down and said, listen, 
we love you. We love where you're at, but we're going to save you for next year. Mm-hmm. We're going to let our senior like ride this out. She's earned yeah. this spot. So we're going to redshirt you. And I call my parents and I'm like, I didn't know that I was never going to play. And once I accepted that, it was fine. Mm-hmm. It was just the initial shock of like, you have to watch basically the entire yeah. entire so it season. Was, it was not your decision to redshirt. It was no, <laughs> no. Yeah. I remember my coach sat me down after training in the grass on the field, and I was like, uh, "What's he about to say?" And he was like, "Listen, kid." And I was like, "Oh no." Yeah. So definitely not my choice, but I made the most of it, and it was like it became less about me trying to compete on the field and more me standing on the sideline yelling until I lost my voice, cheering on my teammates, getting in the weight room, getting strong, Mm -hmm. training extra. I mean, it would be game day and I would do like a full lift and then go out and train. And Mm -hmm. it, it was like me watching, learning from the older goalkeepers and knowing like, there's not pressure on me to be in goal right now, Mm -hmm. which was almost the best thing that could have happened because through watching them, I learned so much without actually having to go through the roller coaster ups and downs of yeah. playing in goal on a D1 team. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, yes, I understand where she made a mistake and now I don't have to make that mistake when I play. Yeah. And so after we didn't win in the fall mm-hmm. two years ago now, I was like, all right, mm. my red shirt season's over. And it was winter and then we still winter sp- winter quarter and spring quarter of off season before the fall came around Mm -hmm. and I figured this is my time to earn a spot earn a chance to compete and play in the fall so I went pretty crazy it was like training extra going hard in training and in the off season our seniors don't train with us so the group's a lot smaller so I got all these opportunities to make saves my relationship with the team changed Mm -hmm. it became less about like Oh, a little freshman, like red shirt, like love you. Yeah. To like, Katie, it's your time to step up. Mm-hmm. Like now it's on you. And so it was the junior goalkeeper, Lauren and I just kind of getting after it every day. Yeah. Which meant so much to me because we're just so competitive and that's how it went this season. And then summer comes around and I kind of sit down with my coach um, about a week before we report to campus this fall. So like August, which yeah. is really summer. But it's it's fall in soccer, so sigh. <laughs> um, but I we sit down, we're talking, having a good time, and we're kind of talking about my entire soccer journey. And I go, you know what, Hideki, I'm just still waiting for the moment where I finally am like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Because you get told no so many times in your career. You get told no as a kid. No, you're not going to be a forward. You're not good enough. You get told no with the 17s. No, you're not going to be on this World Cup roster. You get told no your freshman year of college. Like, no, you're not going to play. You're not there yet. So I had heard no so many times. I go, man, coach, I'm just waiting for the yes. I'm waiting to figure out that this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. Mm. It's like I love soccer so much. I love the process. I love going out to the wall at our field and hitting the ball with my right foot a thousand times because I'm a lefty. It's like... I love the little things about it, but now I'm waiting for it to love me back, Yeah, which is really hard. Mm. And he was like, yeah, I think it's coming. Like, I, I think it's going to happen soon. And naturally, the little, like, hope, hopeful, hopeful kid in me is like, 
so does that mean I'm going to be the starter this year? <laughs> and obviously, he's like, I'm not telling you that. And I was like, okay. Um, but that's not even how the year went. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a senior goalkeeper now. The junior became the senior. Yeah. And she had all this experience. And she was just, like, so polished. And he, in my preseason meeting, after we ran the whole beep test, this, that, <laughs> he's like, listen, Katie, we love where you're at. You did everything we asked of you, but we don't know how much you're going to play. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, for me, it's just like, the hard thing about being in goal is you're either the starter and you're playing every single game, or you just won't play. Yeah. There is no like, all right, sub in, give her a little rest. Like, that's just not the position. So it's really hard. And that's arguably like the hardest thing about goalkeeping is dealing with the mental side. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, okay. But he's like... If you convince us that you are undeniably, like, without a doubt, like, we must play you, then we will. And I was like, say say less. Like, then that's what I'll do. And I was, like, writing in my journal. I was like, I must convince them. Yeah. Which is obviously, like, it's a big goal. Mm-hmm. And so we get about halfway through the season. I'm playing okay. Sometimes they're like, you're inconsistent. And I was like, okay, I'll try and be more consistent. So it definitely was, like, this up and down. We'd yeah. switch every game, and they're like... Once one of you identifies that this is, like, your spot, we'll choose that one. That didn't happen until about the end of the season. And uh, it was kind of unfortunate. Our senior did get hurt, so she missed about two weeks of training. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of when I think the tide shifted in my favor. And he was like, yeah, like, we've been letting in, like, some, not soft, but goals that could have been prevented. So, like... We're just going to give you a shot, but, like, yeah. you must be consistent. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> so yeah. um, I kind of took that and ran with it. And as we got closer to postseason, there was one super pivotal moment, and this was actually when we were playing UCLA in Pac-12s. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I was feeling kind of unconfident because the last time we talked, my coach was like, you, you need to do better. Like, you need to be better. You need to be the best goalkeeper in the country or else we won't we won't win. And I was like that makes sense to me. (laughs) And so uh, it was right before the UCLA game and I was starting and I was pretty surprised. And he goes, do you know why we're starting? Do you know why you're starting today? And I was like, no. And he was like, it's because we trust you. And I was like, wow, like that is so important to hear. Uh, I played really well that game. They actually didn't get a shot on goal, which is like shout out to my defense. Um, But my feet were good. Everything was fine. And then from there on, it was like, okay like this is this is what it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. and we kind of shifted gears towards the postseason and so getting to the final four it happened and the entire time we were cheering each other on and Lauren is the senior and so she it was huge of her to be able to kind of take that step back and be like okay I might not be playing but I'm still going to be there for everyone else so she was super supportive and That's obviously really nice. turn out the way that turned out. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing to hear that story about how many times, like, coaches have said no to you, how many, you know, times you have had to sit on the sideline and kind of mm-hmm. wait for your chance. And I think that's really important because a lot of the times – individuals we like emphasize results a lot Mm -hmm. and like we see you know your successes and you know your awesome saves but we don't realize you know the work and the like journey behind that so I think it's like super awesome that you shared and super inspiring um so now I kind of want to get to the good stuff (laughs) postseason um 
So you had some badass saves during the College Cup, and I think the media attention really picked up after the UCLA game. Ah, yes. Yeah. The UCLA do you wanna, game. Do you want to kind of like talk about that from sure, your perspective? Sure, sure, sure. In case someone doesn't know. Um, I don't think I've ever been so nervous. Really? I'm not a nor- like I'm not a nervous person. Mm. It's never been me. I was the kid who was like, I will jump off this playground and yeah. feel nothing or like I will swim with sharks like that sounds kind of fun yeah. I've never been a nervous player before the college cup my roommate and I were both like technically freshmen because mm-hmm. she had also redshirted last year and we're like oh my god this is the first college cup we actually get to play in <laughs> I'm like throwing up Thursday night because I'm so nervous for the Friday wow. game and she's like why are you nervous <laughs> like yeah you, you earn this and I was like I just don't want to let anyone down and um so it goes, of course, warm-up is off. Seven minutes into the game, I let in the softest goal I've ever let in. Yeah. Like, a goal that, like, if you let in during practice, like, they will question if they are going to start you that mm. week. Like, yeah. someone just hits it from about 35, 40, not, not 40, maybe 35. And it's just kind of a lofter, and I just don't judge it correctly at yeah. all. Maybe it's because I was nervous. Maybe it's because I felt like a step behind and it goes in and I'm like staring at the ball in the back of the net. I was like, there's no way that that just went in Mm. on me because I hold myself to a super high standard. So I was like, oh no. And at this point I had only let in, I think three goals the entire year. And so that's the fourth goal. And I'm like, oh no. Yeah. And, um. So I'm just, like, not used to getting scored on. Like, it just didn't happen that often. So when it did, it was, like, kind of a big deal. Yeah. And I was like, oh, boy, oh, boy. And then, obviously, this puts UCLA up 1-0 very early in the game. And as our team is, like, kind of huddling up, everyone's saying, like, it's nothing. Like, don't worry about it. Like, we already have their number. Like, we've been dominating. Like, we just need to get our flow. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then a certain little player runs past me and goes, guys, we scored because of the keeper. It's because of the keeper. It's because of the keeper. Basically telling her team, keep shooting. Because I later learned that their entire scouting report was basically like, Katie Meyer has not been tested this season. Which I would also argue is true. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't blame them for that. Yeah, It's like... Every every facet of the Stanford team has been tested. The back line's amazing. I mean, the last time UCLA played us, they didn't get a shot on goal. Mm-hmm. So their entire focus this time was probably like, we just need to shoot. We need yeah. to do something and test this girl. And the first test, I fail. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, no. I just proved him right. So she runs away saying, it's because of the keeper. We need to keep shooting. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, is it? Yeah. Like, that kind of turned up. it on. That got me really yeah. fired up. And it was almost the slap in the face that I needed to propel me through the rest of the college cup to be like, no, 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 now it's personal. Because before it was like, yeah, yeah, I hope the team does well and like we win the championship. And now it was like, it's time for me to defend my family name. Like she just <laughs> came from my life. Yeah. This cannot be allowed. And um, so then two minutes later, Sophia Smith scores. Yeah. She's and awesome. She's, she's amazing. She's yeah. unreal. She could just create goals like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like, people recognize in her is, like, not only is she fast, she's the most athletic player I've seen in a very long time. It's, like, she can just go get a goal yeah. if you need it. Like, it doesn't need to be pretty. It doesn't need to be some dramatic buildup. And our team is all about the buildup. But she could just go dribble, take on three people, slot it, and then you're tied. Yeah. And then it happened again and again. And so then it's 3-1. 
and there's about 40 seconds left in the half and we get a foul called in the box mm. and at this point i had not faced a pk all season really i mean we'd been practicing pks yeah, during yeah. training like not in a game like so like i faced so many pks in practice but i hadn't been saving that many because you you face like 200 you save maybe like 10 and you're mm-hmm. like okay like that's not too bad but it's still like the other ones go in and you're like oh no so i had a face one in a game and i loved pks as a kid because it's like the fearless kid like yeah. goalkeepers can't really do any wrong in pks because it's like okay if you save it you're the hero if you don't save it like, like you're expected. not you're not expected to save yeah. it. so there's no like there's no risk so n- none other than the player that was just talking after her team scored uh, steps up to take the PK. Yeah. For the record, we're fine now. Mm-hmm. We were just in a national team camp together, and I was like, hey, we're good, right? And she was <laughs> like, yeah, we're fine. And I was like, great. So we're fine now. I think she's an amazing player, but she steps up to take it. And um, I'm like, you will not score on me. I was like, yeah, this, this cannot stand. This is personal. Like, you think I'm the weak link? I will show you that I'm not. And she takes it. And I save it, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I just saved her PK. And had I not saved the PK, it would have been 3 2. And the two tests that I had, I would have failed. So then suddenly, once you score two goals on a keeper, I think you can get more than that. And once you score two on a team, like, then it's a one goal game going into the half. And then, easiest halftime speech ever, guys, we're only down by one. Mm-hmm. Stanford never lets in two goals in a game. Like, we yeah. can get them. So knowing that I kept it to that one goal and that I saved her PK, I think it changed the momentum of the game. So naturally, and I've never done this before, so it was so, so crazy that like this is what the College Cup kind of became about Yeah. because I've never done this. I get up and I swear I blacked out. Like yeah. something in me was it's like, like that moment. it's time to go crazy. And so <laughs> I walk up to her <laughs> as she's like, really sad because she just missed her pk Mm -hmm. or her pk got saved but um i walk up to her and i go is it the keeper is it the keeper and she just turns around and runs away and my teammates were like oh no katie's about to fight (laughs) um and so they were like katie katie good job good job but like don't take her out and i was like no guys she started it and once they heard the rest of the story they were of course like we're so proud of you defend yourself because I'm a sensitive person, and yeah. that's the thing that I don't think the media or anyone watching really understood, and they also didn't understand that she had kind of started it, yeah. and essentially what yeah, I, I did after the PK mm-hmm. finished it. And so while there were people being like, oh, like, this is fine, even if nothing happened before, because she's cool, like, women are allowed to express themselves like that, women are obviously super passionate and fiery, and like, that came out and it should be celebrated, some people were like... This is, like, absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. And then some people were like, no, 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 there looks like there was something that happened before this. Like, this normally doesn't happen unprovoked. Answer C is the right option. Like, had anyone taken the PK that wasn't her, I wouldn't have done anything. But because she was the one that talked, and she decided to take the PK, and I saved the PK, it was kind of like, okay, you talked your talk. This is me talking my talk. I wish it would have stayed on the field, but it didn't. But it's fine. And we ended up winning that game. And then, obviously, Sunday, 
Sunday was Sunday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after that UCLA game, that's, like, when the social media attention kind of picked up. Yeah. So, like, after the game, when you opened your phone, you know, did you see, oh, like, Oh, it was lots horrible. Of, really? It was so bad. I actually had my director of communications, he, like, called me aside after, after we got off the bus back at the hotel. And I was like, oh, no. And he was like, hi, Katie. Like, I just thought I'd, like, suggest to you that you oh. delete Instagram and Twitter off your phone for the weekend. And I was like, okay. Because as I'm sitting on the bus, on the bus ride back, I'm like, first of all, I have, like, 100 text messages. People are being like, oh, my God, I can't believe you almost tried to fight a girl. I was like, I did not try and fight her. Yeah. I just had something to say. Like, yeah. I was never going to fight her. I'm not a confrontational person. It's not me. And then most people are like, that was so badass. And then I get all these Twitter notifications, mm. mostly from UCLA parents. And it's just like, you're disgusting. The player herself tweeted like disgusting sportsmanship. And I was yeah, like, okay, I think I saw that. her coach retweeted it. And it was just like, people were flooding my DMs with like, you're classless, this, that. And I'm like, yeah. what do I do? And of course, like, I care about what people say about me. Like, I really do. It wasn't just like, ah, forget them. I'll just move on. Like, doesn't matter. I was like, they don't know the whole story. And so all I wanted to do was respond and be like, no, she started it. But I don't want like that to be my legacy of like getting in fights on Twitter and like trying to defend myself. I want my legacy to be the way I play and the way I treat my teammates. So it's like, I just... I had to delete them. So I didn't get notifications for the rest of the weekend because I would have just obsessively read them and like tried to see what people were saying. I mean, like her family members DM me being like, you want to, you still want to act tough? You still want to act tough? And I was like, is this a threat? But it was like, after I deleted them, I focused a lot on studying for finals, which was great. But then after Sunday, I re-downloaded the apps and most of the stuff had switched to positive. I mean, it did eventually get out. Someone leaked it that like, oh, well, the girl started it and Katie just finished it. And after that kind of like side of the narrative came out, a lot of it changed. And, you know, people were texting my parents. It was like people were texting my parents like, oh, like my daughter just saw that because my little sister plays club too. It was all her club teammates' parents. They were like, my daughter saw that. She thought it was so badass. Like, I want my daughter to be like Katie and like defend herself and like be passionate, be fiery because that's just the player that I am. Mm -hmm. And like, if you go out to the practice field, that's the player that you see. Mm -hmm. If I'm quiet and if I'm like keeping to myself, then I'm something's wrong. Yeah. Like the way that I feel focused and locked in is by being super in touch with the things around me, expressing myself, like, I understand and totally respect that, like, some people's version of being focused is, like, being quiet and just, like, being still and within themselves. My version of focus is being super in touch with everything around me. So, like, if we're playing in Kagan and I'm super locked in, like, I hear everything the crowd says. Yeah. I see everything. I hear the music. I'm looking at the bench. I see my teammates. They're talking to me. I'm talking to them. Like, I'm a multitasker. Mm-hmm. So... It's just kind of who I am. I'm a very, like, outwardly portrayed person. And that comes with, like, uh, pros and cons. It has benefits and it has consequences. So after Sunday, it all kind of turned around. It became super positive, which yeah. was great. I redownloaded the apps, and it's definitely settled down since then a little bit. 
But it definitely made me think about social media a lot. And I was like, it's interesting how people really tried to comment on my character and even like police my behavior when they never even met me. And it was like, it was a new experience that really hadn't happened to me before. And I was like, wow, it must be incredibly hard to be a professional athlete subject to the opinions of fans and opposition. And it's almost like that added pressure to perform. So then you don't open your phone and someone tells you you're disgusting, you know? And the comments range from everything to like, you have no class to like, you should be on the boys team. You look like a boy. And I'm like, you got me there guys. (laughs) Like, okay. But I mean, there were a lot of like, women soccer fans on Twitter, like, defending it, being like, you cannot police this girl's behavior. Like, yeah. you need to let her be the athlete that she wants to be. And hopefully it never happens again. Yeah. Hopefully the next time we're in the national championship next year, knock on wood, it's like, we win 5-0 and I don't touch the ball. Yeah. And then I just saunter off the field, raise the trophy, and be like, yay! Yeah. Obviously a lot of work goes into those types of results and we're willing to do that work, but hopefully it never goes to PKs again. If it does... We'll see. If it does, I'm there. Oh, we'll see. I know you talked about, you know, your sister and her friends um, and her parents, like, reaching out to your parents, talking about how much of an inspiration you were. Um, from all this media attention and the saves you made, what kind of uh, role model do you want to be for young athletes and young girls? Like, what do you want to show them? No, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing that I would want young athletes to take from my experience and who I am as a player is that with hard work, you can do anything. But with that hard work, you have to be resilient as well because you can work as hard as you want to. And then if you get told the no the first time, you might say, okay, that hard work wasn't worth it. But if you can be resilient and keep bringing that hard work to the table every day, you're going to hear yes. And for me, like that college cup kind of was that yes. Yeah. Like, yes, Katie, this one, like hats off to you. Well done. I mean, literally a month later, I got another no, but, like, that's the journey, you know? So, like, I would want young athletes to know that, like, you're going to hear no more than you hear yes, but the yeses are worth it. So, like, you have to keep working hard. Keeping resilient. Exactly. Um, uh, you're talking about, like, the media attention after the, after the goals and on Sunday in the College Cup, after you saved that PK. Um, you know, you kind of, like, flexed that Stanford deal <laughs> a little bit. That was pretty sick. Um, and most of the comments are really positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the comments that are really negative, do you think that stems from, like, a little bit of a double standard between men and women's sports? Because I know definitely, like, men, when they get a touchdown, like, or in pro sports, mm-hmm. touchdown, buzzer beater, like, there's, they, a lot of people glorify their celebrations a lot. Yeah. And so, like, what, do you, like, do you want to talk about that double standard a little bit? Yeah, of course. I mean, the thing that pops out to me the most and the thing that I remember the most was... There was this post on Instagram, and it was a football player, I think, in in college. And he had tape on his face, and on the tape, it was written, like, no one is safe. And, like, Nike football or NCAA football had posted, but, like, ooh, savage season. Mm. And then SportsCenter posts me saying, like, that's on Stanford, that's on Stanford, and doing the whole zip them out, throw away the key, which is totally, like, spur-of-the-moment thing. I don't know where it came from, but... um. And then people under that are commenting, like, get back in the kitchen. Like, this is disgusting. Go make me a sandwich. And it's like, you. we just said no one is safe. We just said it's savage season. Like, do you want a savage or not? 
And I do understand that athletes, male or female, are subject to getting criticism. And male athletes get a lot of criticism for the way they play. Even sometimes their celebrations get criticism. So it's not like they never see anything and it's all on the girls. But I do think people are having kind of a hard time feeling that women being savages is normal. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the time kind of the narrative is you can either be a lady or you can be a boss. Yeah. However, I would love to see a world in the future where it is not abnormal to be a boss lady and just to be like absolutely passionate and like out there. Because right now it's kind of like, oh, you can either be polite and cute or you can like be a savage. And it's like, why can't you be both? Mm -hmm. Like I want to be able to go be drenched in sweat and yelling and just like breathing heavy after a workout and still be seen as like feminine and powerful Like, I want to be able to be feminine and powerful at the same time. Yeah. And I feel like we're getting there. Mm -hmm. But right now, it's still kind of like, those are the outliers. But I think every female knows that that power's within her. It's just, like, trying to take it out. And that's not taking anything away from the girls who are a little more quiet. And who, like, take power and kind of being that stoic, kind of introverted type of girl where it's like, she knows she has it together on the inside and she doesn't need to voice that. Before the ones who are crazy savages like myself, it's like I would love it if like that wasn't seen as like, oh, she's a dog. Like I'm still a girl, bro. Like I, I would love to be asked to like a dance or whatever. Yeah. But like like I would just love if like that sort of empowerment just became normal. And it's like I would love it if the first thing that we didn't see on Instagram was get back in the kitchen. I don't even know how to cook. I can make you a bowl of cereal. That's it. Like, tell me anything else. It's like, I would love it if we saw girls doing these absolutely amazing celebrations because that's why we play. Mm -hmm. And then to have those be posted, if they even need to be posted. I have a whole theory about social media. I think it should all go away, but it's not going to. But I would love if we could see those things be posted and no one says anything because it's just normal. Yeah. But that's a long time from now, I think. So right now, it's like... I think we can get there. I think we can get yeah. there, too. It's just it's just going to take a minute. So if I have to take a little more criticism now so then girls in 20 years don't have to, I'm all for it. That's so inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I kind of want to transition into the mental toughness aspect of mm-hmm. being a goalie. I mean, you're there. And as you said, like, <sighs> if someone scores on you, like, it's a point. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's, it's like a goal or not a goal. Um... So when you play, you play, or it looks like you play with so much confidence. Mm-hmm. Where, where did you get this confidence from? Is it kind of like from yourself, from your parents? Like, did you grow up like this? Yeah, um, I would say that it's from myself, and it's also from my parents and my sisters. I was super fortunate to grow up in a household where it's like, you can do whatever you want to do. It was always like, okay, Katie, like, if you want to play soccer, you can play soccer. And even when I, even at this age, my parents still hit me with the, if you're not having fun anymore, you can just stop. And it's like, how dare you even bring that up? And it's like, I was saying that ever since I was a kid, my dad would be like, hey, Katie, like, if you want to try something else, it's fine. We can quit soccer. Like, it's really no big deal. And I'd be like, don't ever say that to me again. (laughs) And it's just like having my parents there 
to not only build me up and be like, hey, like, you're playing really well. Like, do you want to go to the park and, like, practice a little extra? But also to give me that out and be like, once you're not having fun anymore, like, you can just stop. Like, we'll love you just the same. That created such a boldness in me that it was like, I can really do anything. Because the second it wasn't soccer anymore, I I could do something else and know that they still had my back. And so when you know that two people, my mom and dad, had my back that much, it was super easy for me to throw everything into soccer because I loved it. Yeah. And I knew that if something happened, they would still have me. Mm. And so like with that, I became super confident. I was always bold. And I quickly realized if you are going to be in goal, you have to be a little bit crazy. And it's not even like the, ooh, psycho, like, yeah. ooh, scary, like crazy. It's just like... You have to be willing to put yourself in front of the ball when, like, human instinct wants you to get out of the way. And for some reason, I'm just not, I'm not afraid of that. And I think that that's really fun. And then, so, like, when you have that mentality as a kid, and my dad was, like, taking me to the park, taking me to the Trader Joe's parking lot so I could work on my punting, and taking me to the mall parking garage so I could sprint up the incline and run up the stairs... Like, my parents just poured everything into me, and we moved a few times so I could play on a few different club teams. And so it's like, they always had that belief in me. And so it was so easy to then take that and say, okay, you believe in me, well, I'm going to go believe in soccer. And now I believe in myself. Yeah. So every time I got told no, they were there to be like, it's okay that you get told no. They weren't mad. They were never like, well, maybe if you worked harder. It was never that. It was, okay, like, that's part of it. Trust now what do you want to do? Exactly. It was, like, yeah. trust the process. You're not going to get told yes all the time. And especially, like, I'm 5'8". Like, that's pretty short for a goalkeeper. A big part of that growing up was, like, Katie, you might just be too small. Like, you might be too short to play in goal. And my dad was, like, okay. Like, my dad's, like, 6'2", so this is unfair. But he's, like, okay, if, you're gonna, if they're going to say you're too short, you're going to jump higher than anyone there. You're going to be fitter than anyone there. And so we took that and we were like fitness test, jumping. Like they really just poured it all into me. And so I would say that confidence 100% comes from them. It still does. I mean, they came they came to everything they could this year and it, it does make a difference. Yeah. So Obviously, you know, you, it's hard to stay confident like throughout. There's always going to be like negative thoughts going through mm-hmm. your mind, especially like maybe high pressure situations. I know that's happened for me when I'm playing volleyball or even in the classroom and life mm-hmm. in general. So when there are like negative thoughts flowing through your mind, what do you say to yourself to kind of bring that confidence back? Yeah, I would say that when things aren't going great and even I had um, like a few weeks ago, practice wasn't going great because I had just been like coming back from this 20s camp and I didn't make this roster for qualifiers that are happening right now and I was super upset and my training wasn't going too well here because I'd just come back my confidence was down I was like why do I feel this way and I was like hey obviously I'm not performing the way I want to what should I do now and I was like back to the basics Mm. so I got my stuff I went over to our wall next to our field and I just start pounding the ball against the wall and catching it and I was like it's time to return back to the fundamentals the things I know I'm good at the things I know I can do and like let's turn weaknesses into strengths so when something isn't going well when I'm feeling kind of down in the dumps I like to do stuff that my dad has always talked about where it's like 
every weakness that you have, find it and turn it into a strength. So then all you have is strengths. And for me growing up, it was like crosses, my goal kicks. I couldn't take a goal kick till I was like 14. And now I can hit the ball like 65 yards and it's like, it's nothing. And so it's like that type of work makes you feel so good about yourself because you're actively seeing the improvement. Then it's like your confidence skyrockets. So I literally went up to my coach like two days ago. I was like, hey, just so you know, like, feeling pretty good. My confidence is coming back. He's like, oh, good. Yeah, I noticed. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we like high five. <laughs> so it's like, it's okay to have those like bumps in the road because without them, you wouldn't know, like, I'm feeling like myself again. Yeah. You have to have the ups and downs. But like on the other side of the spectrum, if things really aren't going well, you need to give yourself a break. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you need to take time and go do something else. Like go to the beach, like yeah. go read a book. Do your homework. Do something that you know will give you joy. Go hang out with your friends. There was a point in the season where everyone on the team was kind of like going through something, whether it was injury or otherwise, and we were like, what should we do? How do we fix this? How do we get like our energy back? And we went to the Oval, which is like the grass in front of Stanford. We put out a picnic blanket, lit some fake candles, and we just sat there and like had a picnic and like kind of like reset the energy. So there is a point where it's like if things aren't going well and mentally you're drained, you can't keep like pounding the nail because the wood underneath the nail will just break. You need to give yourself a second. And so it's important to know like when you need to just like go against the wall and catch a ball 500 times or when you need to go to the beach or go paint. Definitely. Yeah. Um, Before I wrap this up with the last question, I mean, you've given so many important pieces pieces of advice for Mm -hmm. everyone, like athletes, young girls, even like. I'm sure my dad would be listening to this and find something <laughs> My dad useful. will listen too. <laughs> He'll be like, yeah, you should listen to what she said. Um, the last question I want to ask you is, um, what do you think is the more, most important thing we teach young women today? Ooh. It's kind of loaded. Oh, I think you that's touched so on it loaded. That's so loaded. I would say the most important thing we can teach young girls today is to love themselves for who they are. And that's almost never as easy as we say it is. I know it's like, what, one, two, three, four, like, what, four or five words, love yourself for who you are. It's not easy. Yeah. And it's like behind those, like, that simple sentence is so many different things. It's like, how do I love how smart I am or how not smart I am? How do I love, like, the way I look every morning? How do I love this about myself, that about myself? And it's like in our world with so much going on on social media, it's so easy to compare yourself to others. It's so easy to, like, see things that you feel like you lack in your life, I feel like the best thing we can teach young girls, and it has to be done at a young age, is like, know who you are and love yourself for that. Yeah. And that, it's so easy to compare yourself. It's so easy to compare yourself. And once you realize who you are, if you can find a way to love yourself for that, you will find confidence within yourself. Yeah. That is ridiculous Mm -hmm. and once you love yourself for who you are and I mean there were even phases in my life where I was like maybe if I was a little quieter Mm. maybe if I was a little more this or a little more that and I'd try it for like two weeks and I'd be like I'm going crazy yeah this isn't me and so you have to be able to realize who you are and try and embrace that Thank you so much for taking the time and talking with me, Katie. It was awesome and super inspiring. Thanks. Of course.